You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It is Tuesday, December 14th, National Signing Day Eve, and this is the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. I'm your host, Blair Angulo. In just a minute, you are going to hear a conversation between myself, Brandon Huffman, Greg Biggins, and Alan True as we talk recruiting less than 24 hours before the 2022 class can put pen to paper and sign their national letters of intent. But before we take a listen, I wanted to remind everyone to tune in tomorrow beginning at 9 a.m. Eastern to the 24-7 Sports National Signing Day show on CBS Sports HQ from 9 a.m. Eastern to 4 p.m. Eastern. Some of your favorite 24-7 Sports personalities will be bringing you all the latest buzz as the early signing period begins. So without holding you any longer, enjoy our discussion with Brandon Huffman, Greg Biggins, and Alan True ahead of recruiting's biggest day of the year. Blair Angula here with 24-7 Sports. We are joined by national recruiting analysts Greg Biggins, Alan True, and Brandon Huffman to discuss some big picture topics on this National Signing Day 2022 to kick off the early signing period. And Greg, the coaching carousel, we've got the transfer portal, but now we've got the signing period affecting recruiting classes. Do you feel like it needs to be moved up or eliminated altogether? I'm a little passionate about this one. I said from the get-go, I I like the idea, but I thought, hey, let's do it like basketball. Do one before the season, maybe late summer, July, August, and then keep your February signing period. And and I just felt like that made made the most sense. It didn't make sense for me to do one in December than one just, uh, you know, six, seven weeks later. Do it early. Uh, Kids can sign. Coaches don't need need to worry about babysitting those guys during the season. Uh, Kids can relax a little bit in the event of a coaching change, obviously. Um, We're seeing it now. It's pretty easy to get out of your letter of intent, so I don't see that being an issue, but I think you're going to avoid kind of this rush to fire coaches and hire new guys just to get to that December 15th or whatever that third Wednesday is, right? So uh, for me, move it way, way before the season starts late summer, and I think you're going to solve a lot of issues. Yeah, I think uh, a conversation needs to be had about what can be changed and what can be done. Because I, I think when you talked about an early signing period and then a late signing period, the point is to give recruits the choice. But currently, they don't really have a choice. Everybody, for the most part, is signing on the early period, whether they want to or not. I think there's pressure to sign in that early period. So by doing what GB is saying and moving it earlier, I think you'll have guys who are the guys who are ready to sign and be done at that point, do it. And the ones who aren't, can wait until the second one. Right now, you really have two signing days, but really, for the most part, only one is being taken advantage of. I like the idea of doing one in August as well, largely because August 1st is now when official offers can go out for a senior class. So with the amount of verbal offers that are going out when players are in eighth grade, ninth grade, 10th grade, and 11th grade, now with the official offer, you know that offer that you got was legit. So why not offer them the opportunity to sign their NLI In August, like Greg said, leading up to the beginning of their senior season, and then they have the caveat, if there's a head coaching change at their school, they can get out of their their commitment letter. They can get out of their NLI. I don't think what we we don't need to have happen is there to be a certain amount of flowing going if assistant coaches leave. I think it's got to be limited to head coaches, but then you have the guys that really do truly want to sign that wanted to use the spring official visit period in April, May, and June. They'll know by August 1st, usually where they want to go. So let them sign then and then 
like Greg said, do another one in January and February after the season where the coaching carousel then has a bigger effect rather than having it in mid-December. Yeah, it's there's a lot of moving parts. And obviously, if we did move up the early signing period, then you would wonder how would on-field results affect the recruiting process? So it's a lot to consider as the cycles continue to impact and, and things continue to change. Alan, the coaching carousel continues to be a thing that uh, affects recruiting. Obviously, there's a lot of movement. There's assistant coaches moving to different places. And when you think about recruiting specifically, it's affecting some of the relationships that recruits are developing with some of these schools. How do you think that's going to be changing if we were able to move the early signing period? Well, it's going to make the guys who are affected by those coaching changes less crunched on time. So for some kids, they just finished playing their seasons. They seem like they're committed or leaning towards a school. All of a sudden, there's a coaching change. And those guys have to figure out, can I get to that school? Uh, can I take a visit? Do I still have visits left? Or did I use them all in the spring? Just had a recruit tell me today they had to take an emergency visit to a school. I don't think there should be many situations where kids have to take emergency visits. There needs to be enough time in the process for these guys to figure it out. As it stands currently, I think two weeks in December just isn't enough when you add in those coaching changes. Some of them happen a little bit later in the cycle. It's happening to coaches as they're conducting in-homes with these kids. They walk in the door recruiting them for one school. They walk out the door now looking for another polo to put on. So I think that that crunches the time too much for these kids. And like I said earlier, they don't really have the luxury to wait until February a lot of the time. I think you also factor in the fact that you have conference championship games that first weekend in December. You only have official visits really for one weekend in December if you're one of the best teams in your conference. So now you have the coaching changes. Now you have kind of the crazy cycle of maybe your assistant coaches or candidates for head coaching jobs. You have so many other things. And that's the thing. This is one of those rare years where the head coaching carousel has been so screwed. But over the last probably 10 years, we've seen the assistant coaching carousel really have an impact on the official visits, have an impact on commitments in December commitments in February, guys panicking because the assistant coach that they committed to ends up going somewhere else in January after the bowl game, but after they already signed in December. So I think the coaching carousel has a great effect on commitments, but I also think, you know, with the head coaching carousel and the assistant coaching carousel, it's impacting these recruiting visits. It's recruiting the in-homes. Like Alan said, you have a lot of guys that walk in going with maybe an ND on their jersey, eating some burn ends and they walk out and all of a sudden they're looking for jambalaya and gumbo over the course of that in-home visit and the assistant coaches have no clue. So now imagine being the kid hosting those coaches, thinking that what he just told you was bond only to read about on Twitter 30 seconds, 30 minutes later that he's headed elsewhere. Again, the recruits are the one that are greatly affected by this. You know, the coach, I think for me, the coaching carousel, this 2022 class has been the most wild that I've seen in my 25 plus years. And I've even called kids who reported to me talking to coaches uh, who are actually recruiting them for a different school than they even thought they were at currently. It's a relationship business all the way. And you'll hear people on Twitter. I got a little debate with someone saying, well, you don't choose a school because of the coaches. You choose it because of the university. And that's just not re the reality, right? I mean, this is a relationship business. And you choose schools, obviously, because it's a great school. But for the most part, it's because those coaches kind of sell you on that. And you want to play for those guys. And then when they leave, uh, it's not just about head coaches leaving. It's about assistant coaches that you've built that relationship with. I like what you guys were saying also. Maybe give them another week uh, in December uh, or even early January for those not playing All-American games to take an official visit. I know some coaches probably enjoyed that time off, but it seems like there used to be so many more visit weekends available. Now it's just like a couple. And like Huff said, you know, with bowl games and also for high school kids that are playing deep into the playoffs, they don't get that chance in November, even early December. So I think there could be a lot of different changes that you're going to see next, uh, maybe the next couple of years. 
Brandon, a lot of ripple effects and a lot of different dominoes are falling, not only because of the coaching carousel, but also because of the transfer portal. We're seeing a lot of early commitments because prospects know that there's not going to be a lot of spots remaining. How do you think the transfer portal is changing recruiting right now? I think it's affected it in a great way. And I think the biggest reason why is, like you said, where you have guys that are committing earlier because they figure if I don't commit to this school, they're just going to fill those spots with the transfer portal. And that's exactly what coaches are doing. We'll have coaches tell us in August, September, we're pretty much done with this class. We've got 12 scholarships full. We've signed in 25, but we're going to go hit the portal. We're going to go find seven or eight guys in the portal that can come in and play right away. Because you're not just seeing, you know, in the old days, I've been doing this for nearly 20 years. In the old days, when a guy transferred, it was because he wasn't playing. It was because the, the program might have had some coaching changes, but he wasn't getting on the field. Now you're seeing multi-year starters going into the transfer portal, looking for a new start. You're seeing more FCS guys going into the portal and becoming much more attractive to FBS programs or even G5 schools being attracted to Power 5 programs. And now you're seeing the portal become such a, where it may have been a crutch when it first started in 2017 and 18. Now you're seeing it become a huge pipeline to a lot of these schools that rely heavily on the portal. So I wouldn't be surprised to see if in the next few years, the AFCA decides to institute a transfer portal signing day of its own where there's now a two-week window after the season, before the Bulls, maybe it's after the Bulls, but you can only sign those transfers during that two-week period. And now guys are going to have to leave before spring football, before they know what the depth chart looks like. But I think, again, it's putting the onus back on the schools to manage and massage that because they wanted some of these easy outs and these easy routes. And now they're seeing their efforts affected by something that they wanted to be created four or five years ago. And now it's not necessarily going how they had planned it to. No, I thought what you're going to say, how you're going to say limit how many transfer portal kids a school can sign. So it's funny. I just had this conversation out here where a lot of these high school coaches, they're just kind of distraught right now. They have good players that five years ago um, would get that 23rd, that 24th, that 24th scholarship, right? Those last five usually go for maybe a project, maybe a guy with some development issues. Now, you know, you're not going to wait on that high school kid who might develop. You're going to go for the sure thing. And you have a guy in the portal, a running back who's got two years of film and he's good. And maybe he's not a bad kid. Maybe he's just, you know, a victim of a, of a depth chart or maybe he's homesick. Um, he's an academic qualifier. That guy now is a much harder prospect than that high school senior who kind of blew up, played a great year. Now he's kind of hoping for some looks and he's going to get shut out. So obviously the JUCOs are going to probably be the beneficiary, but a lot of these high school kids kind of hurt your heart a little bit because they worked hard and, and I'm talking to them and they're saying, Hey, you know, I did this, this, and this now where's the looks. And you're going hey, right now, man, those last five rides that would go towards you are now going to a portal kid. So I think we're seeing a, a lot of deserving high school kids just not getting an opportunity. And it's because of that portal. I agree with that. At the same time, I think we've also, with the early commitments, seen a lot of G5 and even FCS guys flipping to Power 5 schools because those kids in some situations committed to those schools before the Power 5 schools had a chance to really evaluate them because they were hoping to just lock up those spots. That's how... You know, uh, that's how much it has been crunched in time that those guys feel like they have to lock up G5 spots before those schools fill up. So we've seen Minnesota flip a couple FCS commits. Central Michigan's class has been decimated in the last couple of weeks with guys flipping or being uh, recruited by Power 5 schools. And so you're seeing that as another ripple effect where those guys committed so early that uh, some of the bigger schools around them didn't have a chance to evaluate them properly the first time through and are now flipping them after their senior seasons. A lot of really good stuff there and a lot to consider with the transfer portal, obviously the early signing period affecting the coaching carousel and everything in between. So for all the latest on that and more, make sure you stay locked in to 247sports.com. 
So there you have it, a pre-signing day discussion with myself, Greg Biggins, Brandon Huffman, and Alan True. So much to talk about with signing day less than 24 hours away. Remember to tune in tomorrow starting at 9 a.m. Eastern to the National Signing Day Show on CBS Sports HQ. For Greg, Brandon, and Alan, my name is Blair Angulo. Thanks for listening to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.